As a new year unfolds, I have a very important question for you this morning. What can you do this year to reach the potential that God's placed in you? I found this fictitious letter which points out the potential that Jesus saw in his disciples. The letter is from a consulting firm who writes the following. To Jesus, son of Joseph, Woodcrafter Carpenter Shop, Nazareth, Galilee, dear sir, thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have picked for leadership positions in your new organization. All of them have now taken our battery of tests, and it is the staff's opinion that most of your nominees lack the background, educational, and vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you are undertaking. They do not have the team concept. We would suggest that you continue your search for persons with experience and proven capability. For example, Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to fits of temper. Andrew has no leadership skills at all. The two brothers, James and John, place personal interest above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel it is our duty to inform you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, have radical political leanings and registered high manic depressive scores. Only one of your candidates shows great potential. He's a man of ability and resourcefulness and has a keen business mind. He has contacts in high places and is highly motivated, ambitious, and responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot as your controller and right-hand man. We wish you every success in your new venture. Sincerely yours, Jordan Management Consultants. Last night, I was reading a message by a pastor, and he made an interesting observation. He said, right now, there are three people sitting in your seat. Do you realize that? There are three people sitting in your seat. The first person is who you are right now. The second person is who you can be if you choose to follow a path that leads you away from God. And of course, the third person is who you can be if you choose to pursue God's purpose for your life. Now, when Jesus looked at his disciples, as he looked at the people who were coming to him, he could clearly see their potential. And this morning, he sees the potential in every single one of us. And today, I want to talk to you about this. How do we reach this potential that we have as we pursue God's purpose for our lives? And this topic has profound implications for our marriages, for our families, and for our church family. What would it look like if we could really reach our God-given potential? That's the question that I want to answer this morning. And I want to do this. I want to point out four biblical principles about reaching the potential that God's placed in you as you seek to pursue his purpose for your life. And here's the first, and it's on your outline. Assume responsibility for your life. That's the starting point. Assume responsibility for your life. Look at this verse. It's from the book of Galatians. And it says this, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. And this is a bedrock principle in Scripture. We are each responsible for our own conduct. In many respects, this is a very countercultural idea because we live in a country where many people see themselves as victims rather than taking responsibility for their own actions. There's been a, a case in the news recently, the case of Ethan Couch, and this case has really enraged the nation. 
because this teenager was convicted of causing a crash that killed four people, left another paralyzed, and he walked away with probation. The defense attorney successfully argued that he was suffering from affluenza. How many of you have heard the story? And, and here's the definition of affluenza, an inability to understand the consequences of one's actions because of financial privilege. It is so easy to blame our conduct on other people or other things. However, look at this verse. This is from the book of Proverbs. It says this, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. One of the keys to reaching your potential in this new year is assuming responsibility for your life. And listen carefully. There are other people who can hurt you. How many of you have been hurt by anybody in this past year? We probably all have. People can hurt you, they can disappoint you, they can lie to you, they can use you, they can do all kinds of stuff to you, and they do. But here's the reality, they cannot ruin your life, and here's why. Because you have responsibility. You have the ability to respond to everything that God allows to come into your life. And that makes all the difference in the world. And one of the things that we need to learn to respond to is failure. Now, how many of you have ever experienced any failure in your life? I want to talk briefly, because I could talk for a long time about failure and, and how to deal with it, but let me just do this. Let me give you some common reasons for failure so that we can avoid them. And here's the first. This is on your outline. We don't plan for the future, or we don't plan adequately for the future. Look at this verse from Proverbs. It says this, a sensible man watches for problems and prepares to meet them. The fool never looks ahead and suffers the consequences. Let me ask you this. Was it raining when Noah built the ark? No, he had to plan ahead. And that's true for us. We have to plan ahead in order to be successful and to reach our potential. Now, here's another cause of failure. This is on your outline. We don't listen to others. We don't listen to others. Check out this verse. Plans fail for lack of counsel but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, why is it that sometimes we just don't listen to the advice of others, even if it's good advice? Because we think we have it all figured out. And there's a word for that in the Bible. It's a five-letter word with an I in the middle. Starts with the letter P. What is it? It's pride. Man, I got this. I know what I'm doing. The Bible says if you want to be successful and if you want to reach your potential, you need to be open to the counsel of other people. And that's so true. We need to listen to the godly advice of our spouses, our parents, bosses, friends. Here's a, a third cause of failure on your outline. We give up too soon. We give up too soon. Look at this verse from Galatians. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't do what? Yeah, if we don't give up. You know the old saying, if at first you don't succeed, welcome to the human race. You know, so often we just don't get it right the first time. And sometimes we give up when success is just around the corner. There was a general who lost two-thirds of all the battles he fought in the American Revolution. Do you, do you know who that was? George Washington. That's right. But he later not only became the first president, he won the war. There was a young man who graduated 42nd out of a class of 43. Then he went out and conquered Europe. His name, Napoleon. In 21 years, this man 
hit 714 home runs, but struck out 1,330 times. He struck out twice as many times as he hit a home run. And Babe Ruth said this, never let the fear of striking out keep you from taking a swing. What we need to do with failure is learn from it. Let me give you a secret of success, and every successful entrepreneur knows this. You build success on the foundation of failure. Let me ask you this. How many of you who are married know some things that don't work in your marriage? Hopefully, everybody who's married has their hand up. I hope you've learned some things that don't work in your marriage. What about this? If you're a parent, have you learned some things that don't work in raising kids? Yeah, some of you are raising both hands and a foot. And what about this? Have you learned some things that don't work in your personal life? Yeah, we all have. Here's the thing. Build on that knowledge. Build on that knowledge. Because to reach your potential in this new year, you have to assume responsibility for your life. And you can do that by planning ahead, by listening to good advice, and by refusing to quit. Because those are all biblical principles. Now here's another thing you can do to reach your potential in this new year. Number two, and this is so key, Believe that you can change. Believe that you can change. Here's a question. How many psychologists does it take to change a light bulb? I'll give you a clue. I'll give you a clue. And I know that somebody knows the answer to this. Yes. And do you know the reason, Tim? There you go. Okay. It only takes one psychologist to change the light bulb, but the light bulb has to be ready and willing to change. We have to be willing and ready to change as well. And, and that was not a plant. Tim knows that. Now, think about this. If you could change one thing about yourself this year, what would it be? What would be at the top of the list? Would it be to, to stop putting things off, to control your temper, to be more joyful, to be less anxious, to take control of your schedule, to overcome a persistent temptation? Now, here's a very important question. Do you believe that you can change? I mean, do you really believe you can? The Bible says you can change. God says he wants you to change. In fact, the Bible says that God wants us as followers of Jesus to become like like Christ, like Jesus. That's his goal for us. And Jesus said this. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciple, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So how is it possible to be set free from old patterns of behavior? And here's the truth. You have to change what you believe. You have to change what you believe about God and about yourself and about your potential. You know, if you're serious about changing this year, what you've got to do is get into God's word so that God's word can get into you. Because, friends, there is power in God's word. When you really study and apply what's in this book, It connects you to the presence and the power of God. Look at this verse. This was written by the Apostle Paul. He says this, I can do how much? All things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul was saying, look, when I have a connection with Jesus, he gives me his wisdom and his power and his courage, and therefore I can do everything that God calls me to do. Now notice what the verse doesn't say. It doesn't say I can do all things through self-help books. I can do all things through the power of positive thinking. I can do all things if I just have enough cash. It says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And the question is this. How do we really connect to the power that Jesus wants us to have? And here's the answer, by faith. 
We have to believe that he will actually unleash his power in our lives. And so here's what we need to do in this new year. If you want to reach your potential, start expecting more. Expect more from God. Expect more from yourself because God has promised to give you his power to accomplish his purpose. And you know that God wants you to change, so trust him and step out in faith. Because listen, there are three words that I think are so pivotal in in understanding this concept, and here they are, trust and obey. Because I will tell you this, if you're unwilling to obey God completely, you will never reach the potential he's placed in you. We just, a few moments ago, sang a song, and the lyrics go like this, all to Jesus I what? I surrender. Now you think about that. What if that were actually true in your life, in my life, in our lives? Would that change anything? Yeah, you bet it would. It would enable us to reach the potential that God has placed in us, both as individuals and as a church. And that needs to be our goal, to trust God completely and to obey him in everything. So back to the original question, How can you reach the potential that God's placed in you? First of all, assume responsibility for your life. Number two, believe that you can change. And here's number three, clarify your priorities. Clarify your priorities. A few days ago, we had our weekly staff meeting, and I asked the people on our staff a question. I said this, how does believing the gospel change a person's priorities? When you decide to follow Jesus, How does that shift what is most important to you? And as we discussed that question, we talked about two things that will last forever. Now, do you know two things that are going to last forever? In fact, you can see them in this room this morning. Do you know what they are? Here's one, the Word of God. The Bible says that the the grass withers and the the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands for how long? Forever. So the word of God lasts forever, and do you know what else lasts forever? We do. People. We're made in the image of God. We're going to last forever. Now think about this. What if somebody had interviewed Jesus and asked him about his priorities? If you had a reporter from the, the Palestine Post or the Galilee Gazette, and they said, Jesus, what's most important to you? What do you think he would have said? Well, I think the answer is pretty straightforward. Because one time Jesus was asked this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Why is the second command like it? Because it involves love. Love your neighbor as yourself. So what are Jesus' two top priorities? Would you say loving God and loving people? So if we're gonna follow Jesus... What should be our top two priorities? Same thing, right? Loving God and loving people. And it is believing the gospel that actually shifts our priorities and changes what is most important to us. I was thinking about a verse that says this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's such a hopeful verse, isn't it? I mean, it really has the bad news and the good news. Why we were still sinners? Because the fact is that all of us have wandered away from God and his purpose and his plan. We have a heart problem. And we know that because of our sin, God has to do something. And and this is because of his character. God is holy and God is just. He can't just look the other way. And the Bible says this, the wages of sin is what? Death. And it's not just a physical death, it's a spiritual death. And so we've got this situation where we are 
helpless and hopeless unless God intervenes. Because unless God does something, we're going to spend eternity apart from him. And so God, out of his great love, does something. While we were still sinners, Christ did what? He died for us. There was this, this rescue plan that, that happened in heaven. You know, the Bible talks about God. There's one God, but he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And God got together and decided what to do about rescuing the people that he loves. And so Jesus voluntarily leaves his home in heaven and becomes one of us, a mystery that's so profound we really can't completely understand it, but he becomes a human being. And he lives a perfect life. And do you realize the reason that Jesus needed to live a perfect life is so that he could give his life in exchange for ours. The Bible says that Jesus is the second Adam. The first Adam failed as his representative of humanity, but Jesus Christ succeeded. And so Jesus, in his perfection, because he perfectly loved God and perfectly loved people, he goes to the cross. He allows himself to be arrested and beaten and crucified. And on that cross, God is willing to do this, to take our failure, our sin, and place them on Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. Our sin is placed on Jesus, and he pays the price for us. The wrath of God that we deserve is poured out on Jesus, and he dies. And then because God accepts that payment, he, he causes Jesus Christ to be raised from the dead, and Jesus now offers anyone who will follow him a new life. And friends, this new life is all about achieving the potential that God has placed in you as you pursue his purpose and his plan for your life. Because to become a Christian, you simply need to admit that you're a sinner and ask for God's forgiveness and believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he actually died for you and rose from the dead. And then it involves this, surrendering your life to him. And it's in that surrender that you begin to experience the life that God wants you to know. And church, this is so important. The gospel changes everything. Because of what Jesus has done, you have a new record. Do you realize that? You know, so often people look at their life and they see the brokenness, they see their failure, and they think, man, I just don't have that much potential. But that's not true. You need to pick up your gospel glasses and look at yourself from God's point of view. Because you have a new record, you're guilt-free in the eyes of God. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. So you have a new record, but you also have this. You have a new identity because you've been adopted into God's family. When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you realize that you're a son or a daughter of God? I mean, that's really profound, isn't it? But it even gets better. You not only have a new record and a new identity, you have a new potential because now you're connected to Christ and to his power in your life. You know, in our... Media-saturated, consumer-driven culture where people spend countless hours entertaining themselves and just worrying about money and possessions. Jesus speaks some revolutionary words that really redirect our thinking and our priorities when he says this. But seek first his kingdom. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that you're concerned about will be given to you as well. Let me ask you this. If somebody followed you around for an entire week and they saw how you spent your time and your money and what you did, what would they conclude is most important to you? Because we can talk about our priorities, but how are those being displayed 
in your life. Now, if you're going to clarify your priorities in this coming year, let me offer this encouragement. You need to actually look at your calendar and figure out what you're going to do with the time that God has given you. I think it's so critically important to have time every single day and even throughout the day to be with God and to talk to Him and to have Him speak to you through His Word. Is that an appointment that you have on a daily basis? Is it one you need to put on your calendar? And what about this? What about your family? You know, if you're married, guys, it's good to have a, a date night with your wife. Um, your wife may remind you of what I said in the message this morning, actually. But it's a great way to just stay connected to each other. And you know, parents, it's so important to, to spend time with your kids. I remember reading a story about a pastor named Robert Schuler a number of years ago, and he was, you know, obviously a very successful and busy pastor, and he was on this tour to promote this book that he had written. And back home, the church office said that they were conducting this raffle. They were raffling off a lunch with Robert Schuler, and they were going to give it to the person who had the highest bid. And so they called him up and said, hey, Pastor Schuler, um, we have somebody who bid $500 to have lunch with you when you get home. And then they said, and this person told us that it was their entire life's savings. And immediately, Robert Schuler knew who it was. It was his own school-aged daughter. Guys, think about that. The time goes by so quickly, doesn't it? We need to make our God and our families a priority. But I want to encourage you to do this as well. You know, God's brought other people into your life. The people where you work, the people in your neighborhood, maybe the people where you work out at the gym, um, maybe you're in school and you have contacts there. I want to encourage you to be intentional this year about making a new friend, establishing a new relationship. Now, why should that be a priority to you? And here's my answer, because it's a priority to Jesus. And listen, when you're a follower of Christ, the things that are important to Jesus should also be important to you. Now, here's the, uh, the final principle to reach your potential this year. This is on your outline number four. Do it now. Do it now. That class you wanted to take, the friendship you wanted to pursue, that physical you need to schedule with your doctor, now is the time to do it. Look at this verse from Solomon, and I love the, the graphic on this as well. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Now, have you ever heard somebody say something like this? Yeah, I'm going to do that as soon as things settle down. Have you ever said that yourself? Man, I have. You know the problem with that statement? We all do, right? Things never really settle down. You know, if you say, you know, Pastor Dudley, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a new goal this year. I'm going to have a quiet time with God, and I'm going to do it as soon as things settle down. You'll never do it. You need to have that quiet time with God in the middle of unsettled circumstances. You could say, you know, as, as soon as things settle down, I'm going to spend more time with my kids. What's the problem? By that time, they'll be grown and gone. If we're going to do stuff in terms of changing our priorities, when is the time to do them? It's now. Let me close with, with this thought. You know, a few minutes ago, I was talking about how the gospel changes everything. And that's so true. And church, I just want you to know that, that my heart is for our church not only to be gospel-centered, but to be gospel-saturated. Because the good news of Jesus Christ is the center out of which we live. You remember I read the letter from Jimmy Gross? And that ministry to middle school and high school students is centered on what? 
on the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's a gospel that gives us hope, not just for this life, but for eternity. Uh, the men's study, do you remember what that was about? Yeah, how men are made whole through what? Through the gospel. And the reality is that the gospel does give us a new record and it does give us a new identity and it does give us, church, a new potential. Not just as individuals, not just as couples or families, but as a congregation. And I want you to know this. Regardless of how many times you've tried and failed, regardless of of how many times your heart has been broken, God can take our mess and make us his masterpiece. I've heard it. You've heard it. It's time for a new beginning. Time to start a fresh page or paint a new picture with our life. Sounds great in theory, but it can seem impossible. Life is messy. The lines have gotten blurred. Maybe we just don't know where to start. We look at the canvas of our lives and see mistake after mistake after mistake. It's overwhelming. When I look at my life with these messy lines and scribbles, it makes me think, is this as good as it gets? There's no eraser that can make this life make sense. But what if? What if there was someone that could make sense of our mess? They could take all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our missed opportunities, and make them into a masterpiece. And then I remember, there is Jesus, he gives us a new life. Every day is new. Every day is a blank canvas full of possibility and promise. He takes our canvases, our lives that have been filled up with shortcomings, secrets, tragedies, and embarrassments, and he helps them make sense. When I look at the canvas of my life and I see nothing but disorder and chaos, I have to remember this. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. And you know what? He wants to take my hand and bring peace to the canvas of my life. So as we seek to make our mark, let us give God all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our hurts, and trust that he will turn our messy lives into a masterpiece his masterpiece. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray that we could do exactly that, that we could give you the brokenness, Lord, the, the failures, the missed opportunities, Lord, the, the things that, that weigh us down. Father, we give all those things to you and, and believe that you can take our mess and make us your masterpiece. Lord, I, I pray this morning for the person who maybe for the very first time has understood that a new life really is possible, but it requires a connection to Christ.
And Lord, for the person who, who senses that today could be the day that everything changes, I, I pray that they would simply in their heart say, God, I need you. Um, Father, I pray that, that they would say, God, I, I believe that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead, and I want to follow him. And Father, I know that you always hear that prayer. And Lord, for us who have made that decision to follow Jesus, God, help us to reach the potential that you've placed in us, not just as individuals, but, but Father, as a church. Help us to really take responsibility for our lives and to believe, God, that we can change. Help us to trust you and obey you. And Lord, as we look out over the, the canvas of our lives and the landscape of this new year, God, I believe that you can do great things in us and through us. And Father, the scripture says this, that you are able to do more than we can imagine, more than we can ask because of your power that works in us. So God, we pray that you will do exactly that. And Father, as we sing this last song, I pray that, that these lyrics would come alive for us, that we would realize the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. And so Father, we trust you to help us to reach your potential, the potential you've placed in us and to be your masterpiece. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.